Ladies and gentlemen, your favorite radio show, Health and Happiness, is pleased to welcome Mr. Hank Williams. Hank, that poor old broken-down mailman's up here this morning. He was. <laughs> yeah, I relieved him a little bit and helped him carry up the mail. Boy, just look at just look at all this mail. Did you ever see so much? Yeah, wh- what's that big stack <laughs> over there? Uh, oh, you man. ought to know what that big stack's for. That's for that one great big song that you recorded that's been so popular. Which you know one? what I mean. Oh, you mean Love Sick Blues? I sure do. All them folks want to hear Love Sick Blues? Yes, sir. Well, right. I reckon we'll just have to do it for them again. If my tonsils don't backfire and slap my taste out of my mouth, I'll do this before we get through here. Here it is. I got the Love Sick Blues. <laughs> I got a feeling called the blues, old Lord, since my baby said goodbye. Lord, I don't know what to do. All I do is sit and sigh. Oh, Lord, that last long day. Mr. Hank Williams bringing you his runaway hit tune, Love Sick Blues. Here's how writer David Halberstam tells the tale. Hank wrote his own songs, clear and simple ones, marked by an almost elegant purity of language. By the time he was 23, in 1947, he was writing songs for a Nashville company. That was halfway to the big dream of every country boy, to get in the pickup truck, drive to Nashville, talk his way past the grand old Opry receptionist, pluck a few notes, and sign a contract. They were a little slow to sign him on at the Opry because they heard there was a drinking problem there. Finally, in 1949, they let him sing. He was 26, awkward and gangling, looking like a good meal and a little love would do him. That night, he sang Love Sick Blues. To keep her satisfied, but she just wouldn't stay. So now that she is leaving, this is all I can say. I got a feeling called the blues, oh Lord, since my baby said goodbye. That night he sang lovesick blues and the audience tore the Opry apart. He sang and sang. They forced six encores from him. And there might have been more, but other people had to sing, too. And finally, Red Foley, the master of ceremonies, put a stop to it. Made a little speech, promising this boy would be back. It was a special kind of dream come true. As much for the audience as for him. If it was possible for him, then perhaps one day it was possible for them, too. That from David Halberstam in the Hank Williams Reader. Meanwhile, Paul Hempel follows up in his memoir, Love Sick Blues. He writes, Hank had slipped into his repertoire a yodeling version of an old orphan of a show tune called Love Sick Blues, sending crowds wild, and for the first time in his experience, teenage girls were treating him like a country Frank Sinatra. After a show at the auditorium in Corpus Christi, a gaggle of them came after him with razor blades intent on cutting off his necktie or a hank of clothing as a souvenir, even letting the air out of his tires to keep Hank from leaving. When the honky-tonkin' country music show comes to town next week, it's a sure bet they'd welcome a good reception, but surely they're not aiming to set off that kind of frenzy. 
singing as they will be, songs by Hank Williams and other country legends. They'll be very pleased with hearty applause, with some hoots and hollers mixed in if they've pleased the crowd as they have every intention of doing. Rev Theater is on the road with Honky Tonkin, and they're returning to Scranton to share these sounds as sights, including what's become their home away from home. United Neighborhood Centers of Northeastern Pennsylvania welcome them. We had a chance to speak by phone with Rudy Caparazzo and Rosie Hay, co-artistic directors of Rev Theater, about how they've been weathering the pandemic and what they've come up with in the Honky Tonkin Country Music Show. It's been up to, down to, over to virtual programming as it has been for so much of certainly the performing arts in, in this very difficult time. We've done a couple of programs which have begun in a, in a virtual way, certainly after-school programs specifically, and then have gone to in-person, which was very exciting and fulfilling and a real goal within the, the process and, and the, the rehearsal schedule. So we, we've been marching on and moving forward and persevering in the, with the direct goal of prevailing. The question that comes to mind is, why Nashville now? I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> and it's all Rudy. He is the creative genius, so I'm going to let you answer that one. We wanted to crack a genre, I guess. It's, it's fun, and it's American, and we wanted to have some good old-fashioned American fun. I, I grew up with so much country music. I grew up in a tiny town just across the border from you guys in upstate New York. It's a pretty rural area for all intents and purposes, and everyone there was very much into country music. I couldn't walk home from school without hearing it from house to house and from car to car. And also my relatives who are from your neck of the woods, my mother being born and raised in Troop and my father being an elephant boy, uh, my aunts and, and my grandmother were heavy duty into the country music scene. But I never had an affinity for it when I was a kid. It was not cool enough for me then, I guess. I'm, I'm shamefaced to say. But I've, I've always been obsessed with Patsy Cline. And much more recently, I've come to really love most everything about Hank Williams. So that was the sort of seed or the kernel, I guess. But again, we really wanted to do something where people could poop it up quite literally and have a high old time. So it just seemed tailor-made in that regard, in that, in that respect. Rosie, how did you first encounter country music? Uh, pretty, Such a good question. Pretty much through this. I mean, <laughs> I, I know Patsy Cline, and I love her music, but everyone else, and I'd heard of, of course, Loretta Lynn and Tammy Wynette and Hank Williams, but otherwise, I was a complete neophyte, and I found that country music is super engaging, those tunes just make you want to get up and dance and tap your feet. And it's a really wonderful art form. So I'm so glad that Rudy has introduced me to this slice of Americana. And did you know, Erica, perhaps you do, that Hank Williams is quite often referred to as the Shakespeare of country music? There you go, you see. It's a small world. And that has to do with his storytelling, his use of language, what? His use of language, his use of language. There's so many lyrics that are so beautiful and poignant and just grab you 
by the heart in a very direct and immediately accessible kind of way. So here we are, working with the Shakespeare of country music. I didn't know that myself, Erica, until I steeped myself in the Ken Burns documentary about country music, which I had never seen and which is quite wonderful, as most of Batman's documentaries are. But that's how I learned that. When you all set about creating a new piece, each one is different. You don't have a cookie cutter. Well, we did it last time with vaudeville shows, so we'll do it the same way with country. How did you approach putting together a program that we can enjoy? It was difficult from the perspective of that catalog of music is so immense. It's so it's quite overwhelming in terms of being faced with making choices to make a to make an hour long program. So that was actually one of the most daunting parts to to choose music. And by the way, this is retro classics from not only Hank Williams but and Patsy Cline, but Loretta Lynn, Tammy Wynette, Little Jimmy Dickens, Buck Owens, other people. So nothing post-dates 1972, and most of it is from the 50s and 60s. So we, we winnowed it down in that way by making it not nostalgic, because it isn't. And we're not trying to imitate any of these performers. No one is impersonating them. There are very specific sounds that are part of these individual singers' way of singing, but we're not... We're not deliberately trying to be Tammy Wynette specifically. That was, that was the starting point after making the decision to, to do a piece about or from the, from the base point of country music. And you have joined with other performers? There are two other wonderfully talented women who are a part of this who bring so much to it. And I think, I think not only in terms of their intrinsic sounds, their abilities as singers, their ability to make country sounds that people will be very, very familiar with, for lack of a better way of putting it. We have terrific chemistry, and that's obviously so significant and important in a project, any project, certainly a theater project, in terms of presenting that to the public. This will be the tour, but will this be the premiere performance? We ain't never done it before, but we're talking to you from Cape May, New Jersey, where we had, our, we had an opening night, and that was the first performance to, to be premiered or unveiled to the public. This is the first leg of the tour. We're, we're then taking it to Scranton, as, as you know, and then it, this little show will be back in Philly throughout the entire month of September as part of the Philadelphia Fringe Festival. We're performing it in lots of neighborhood parks. And you all have great fun with programming that you prepare and the songs that you sing, and you do it upright in terms of costumes. What will we find? Oh, yes. Well, the promo material says, Yee-haw! Exclamation point. Yards of fringe, pounds of sequins, and really big hair. So that's all a part of it. The visual part of it, you're absolutely right, is super important, especially because there's obviously no sets that travel around with us. We just are sort of airlifted into places for all intents and purposes and, and sing. So there's saucy, lively banter that's a part of this, and corn pawn jokes, too. But the song list, the, play, the playlist is 21 songs, so it's a lot of music. And Rosie, are you stepping back as an I and saying, that works, it doesn't, slow down there, pick it up a little yes. bit there? Yes, I am the third eye. I'm the director, paying a lot of attention to the lyrics and the intention of the song. But musically, these three are so gifted, and we've had a marvelous, marvelous musical director. 
a graduate from the University of the Arts. So this is a shout-out to Sarah Hoff, who did an extraordinary job. She did some key changes, some tempos. She, she was marvelous. So mine has really been, my job has been to focus on the acting for this. The best part for us is, as performers working with Rosie, is when, is when she speaks some of the words in some of the titles with such specific elocution that no, no one ever meant it to have. There's a, there's a Hank Williams song that I sing with one of the women called Setting the Woods on Fire, and Rosie insists on calling it Setting the Woods on Fire. So, so Erica, he is making fun of me. Hank Williams may be, may be country music Shakespeare, but this ain't Shakespeare, Rosie. <laughs> so if you're having fun with it, pick a Hank Williams song that grabs you, Rudy, and tell us why, not just that you have some fun with. Great question. Um, there's such specific psychological or emotional, not only intensity, but, but intent in so much of what he sings. And, and always, and, well, I mean, not just sings, he, he wrote everything. I also learned that he never wrote music on staff paper, so not music staff paper, or even regular notebook paper. He would only write music on receipts, bills bits of old paper bags, whatever he had at hand, that's how he would write his songs. And often, he would put them in a pocket and not know what he did with it. So imagine all of those songs that never quite saw the light of day because they were, <laughs> they were left in an old denim jacket pocket or something. But, but to answer your question, uh, I sing quite a bit of Hank Williams in this. I, I love Why Don't You Love Me Like You Used To Do. It, it's so specific, and it's about something that's quite serious, but treated in a very, very non-serious kind of way. It's so witty and well-composed, and the jaunty music just carries it along. And, of course, there's also a lot of opportunity, as there is in many of his songs, and many of the songs that are in the piece overall, to do a lot of that distinctive country, catch-in-the-throat, break-in-the-voice kind of yodeling. Which, by the way, another thing that maybe drew me to this country thing, I'm, I've been told I'm not supposed to say country western, that that's no longer the proper terminology, so I try very hard not to. But what we're doing is country western because it absolutely predates 1972. But in any case, the point is, I had an aunt. I never knew her. She died before I was born. She was my mother's significantly older sister. And she lived in the troop area, as I said, and she used to sing live on local radio, and she yodeled. So who knows? Perhaps this is in my DNA. Perhaps I somehow come to it honestly. He does very well, may I say. I'm not sure it came entirely naturally. I had to work at it, but I, I, I hope it's what Rosie says it is. Well, Rosie, remind our listeners what Rev usually does in the summer when you come to the region. Well, for the last few years, we started off with musical theater programs with young people and children who were at UNC, United Neighborhood Centers, and then we expanded it into also working with seniors. And so we did our 1940s canteen, and then we did our vaudeville, and it was a mixture of local people and seniors and uh, professionals from the Philadelphia area because we came in as well. So because of COVID, we had to change our plans this year. We obviously, of course, had a long talk with wonderful Lisa Durkin, who is 
the CEO of UNC. And we all figured, regrettably, that because UNC is going through a vast amount of restructuring, it's now part of the area agency on aging. Things are changing. Hours are different. What they're looking to do, they are in process of figuring out how best to serve the seniors. And with the uncertainty of COVID, because we have to try and get this decision made in February, we have to plan ahead. So we decided that this year we would do a performance at UNC, but it wouldn't involve the seniors because many of them, you know, are frail. And those who are able to dance, like 92-year-old Mary Dukes, they have to be very, very careful. And now that we're finding out about the variant, we think this was a very, very good decision. It was very difficult at the time. Those seniors have a piece of my heart. I know I've said that before. And when the talks back in the day, when I had conversations with these wonderful and very near and dear to the individuals, they were all very much looking forward to being a part of this because it's music that they certainly know and absolutely love. So the project is bittersweet in that way. That was a disappointment, but we're hoping and looking forward to the distinct possibility of returning to Scranton to do more programming actually with seniors, not just for them. So where can we see you? Well, we nicknamed this, or I think I called it this in some press release, It's really a a community connections outreach program because we are taking this show to Gino Murley Veterans Center, and we're doing it at Hillside Healthy Aging Campus in Clark Summit, and we're doing it as a pop-up event for seniors in Aylesworth Park, the agency on aging has been having pop-up events every Friday through the whole summer where seniors go to a park and they have lunch and they enjoy being outside. And then there's a, an entertainment of some kind. So we said we really wanted to do that. So those are our three connection aspects of the tour, as we call it. Then we are going to do it, and these are the two events that are really open to the public. I don't know if you've heard about live music on the hill. It sounds wonderful, and friends told us about it. There are live concerts on porches of various homes in the hill section of Scranton. I think it's once a month. And so on Saturday, August 21st at 2 p.m., we are doing a performance live for people who might just want to gather outside a home. We're waiting to hear where the home is. Is. That's one public concert, but the big public performance is at United Neighborhood Centers, which is 1004 Jackson Street, and it's at 6 p.m. And we're going to put the hoot and hoot nanny and the jam and jamboree. That's a promise, and it's all free. Everything is free, and this is where I am going to mention Lackawanna County Arts and Culture, Maureen McGuigan and Chris Calvey, who've been extraordinarily supportive and wonderful. We carried this grant over from last year because we couldn't do anything last year. So the money that we received last year is helping to support this, as is the Gelb Foundation. They are supporting our endeavors as well. So it's very much a community-supported project. 
And it was something we really wanted to do to continue to broaden our reach into the community. And to bring the people a good time. You have an awful lot of fun with whatever you do, but you also approach everything with respect and a serious element to it all. So it's not a mocking in any way. No, no, it's not. There's no, I mean, people have asked that question. I'm so glad you brought that up. There's no way that it is a parody or a spoof. We've been asked that question, as far as I'm concerned, too often, and it has no point of bearing on what we're doing. We are trying to serve the material as best we can as performance, dare I say, artists, and not put down anyone or anything or send anything up. It has no point of bearing in what we're doing, even remotely. I mean, and again, talk about our wonderfully gifted and insightful musical director, Sarah Huff. She was so meticulous about the sounds that are being made, and in a way that is reverential, if anything. I mean, she would say to me very specifically, when you step out of the music, you're sounding much more accent-inflected, for lack of better putting it, than you did in the previous line that you sung. So she was hyper-vigilant about, about that, not saying, you need to go further in a direction because it doesn't sound funny enough. This is such a part of uh, American culture, not even just music, but American culture. Um, America doesn't have a whole lot that America can call specifically theirs in that way. Although, to be perfectly honest, a lot of the roots of this stuff come from Irish culture. So what I love about it is it's such, such an amalgam, such a, such a hodgepodge, if you will, of, of so many sounds that have become intrinsically that, that American country, I'll say Western, country Western music sound. You know, it, it's part of the, the black culture from the South, which came over on, on ships and made its way into the whole the lexicon of sound, if you will. So it ended up being very, very American. What about the telling of stories within these songs? They all have, I mean, not... They tell wonderful stories. Some more. more than others. Some are about a very specific psychological perspective that you need to fill in the relationship history, if that makes sense. But, but many of them are hardcore direct narrative. Certainly, one of the women in this, she has two songs that she sings. One is Lynn Anderson's I Never Promised You a Rose Garden, which has story content, but it's not a story. It's about, it's about a very specific emotional perspective. One of the other songs that Maddie sings is Harper Valley PTA, which is an entire novella. So that story is very specific and very detailed. And why don't you tell us the names of your co-performers? Oh, I would love to. I, that would give me enormous pleasure. Maddie McCary in the piece. She's Maddie May, Maddie May, Maddie May McCary, and Gabby Lou Affleck, Gabrielle Affleck. And they're fantastic. Come to see me, baby, and bring along some dough, and we'll go A tune by Hank Williams, Honky Tonkin, that may just give the title to the show that's coming to town, the Honky Tonkin Country Music Show, presented by Rev Theater. 
Rev Theater is on tour with Honky Tonkin. Right now they're in Cape May, New Jersey, and they'll return to Scranton not this weekend but next to share these sounds at sites that include their home away from home now, United Neighborhood Centers of Northeastern Pennsylvania. Before that, on Saturday, August 21st, they'll be on the Hill. That's live music on the Hill at 2 and at UNC at 6. They'll be performing at the Geno Murley Veterans Center, Hillside Senior Center in the park as well. And if you need information about seeing Honky Tonk and Country Music show, it's free. And you can find the details online, revtheatercompany.org, R-E-V, theatercompany.org and theater is T-H-E-A-T-R-E and Rev is R-E-V so revtheatercompany.org Not this weekend but next the weekend of August 19th, 20th, 21st they'll be in town performing and the public performances are Saturday, August 21st at 2 Music on the Hill Live Music on the Hill and then also at United Neighborhood Centers at 6. Again, for more information, revtheatercompany.org. Songs by Hank Williams, Loretta Lynn, all the rest. And you can hear it in Honky Tonkin, a country music show with Rev Theater. August 21st, August Saturday, August 21st at 2, 